0: The reason you find yourself in your success is that you have the courage and persistence to follow your dreams, knowing there aren't many ahead of you laying the path and offering guidance. You're a warrior, and it's a lot to maneuver by yourself through any unknowns. There will be many times when you are one of the few, but it's not because you're an imposter, it's because you're a leader. Hola chicas, I'm Consuelo Crosby, born with both sides of my brain fighting for attention. Structural engineer and creative. Mother and mentor, center of any spontaneous fiesta, if I've had my morning latte. I give it all to being a first-generation Peruvian badass chica. So grateful you're here today, wanting to shed that armor, relax into your truth, Pick up your salsa step, tune out what's getting to you, and be lifted from goddesses of generations past that taught us to live life large and out loud, because we're not blending in. Life links, knowledge you didn't even know you had to be the badass chica you were born to be. Hola chicas. Welcome to another midweek reset of your mindset and to this fabulous Rocktober start Definitely a high-energy time of year with most of us wanting to wrap things up in Q4 and get on to the holidays. Still, hope you took some time to decompress with last week's episode and sit with yourself for a moment. Quiet time with yourself in a soothing place gives your brain a chance to turn off so you can hear what your soul's talking about. The visions and dreams you have for yourself, that's your soul speaking. Loving yourself first, above all things in life, that's what's going to get you to your dream place. October 1 is really significant to me since it's the beginning of my birth month. Yes, birth month. None of us should be celebrated on just one day of the year. You are all much more valuable than a one-day recognition, so stretch out the celebration on your next birth month. Take as much time as you want to celebrate yourself. (laughs) shoot for the whole year i'll join you and it's also the day i chose to remarry four years ago after 22 years of being single with just my daughters just the three of us my husband and i were married in spain in the region of catalonia that's the state that has its capital of barcelona on the mediterranean and that wedding went on till four in the morning I should have known it was going to be a little bit of a rager when the caterer told us in advance not to worry about any of the beverages. He was going to make sure we had a bottle of wine per person. Yep, not per table, per person. And then the next day it was a paella party followed by a flip cup match that went on until two in the morning. I swear I'm still recovering from all of it, but it's four years now and I'm really proud of myself. Because just like Monica said, oh, my God, i got to live with a boy. And it's not my dog. Ah, I'm proud. So Catalonia has always viewed itself separate from Spain, this independent entity that wants its freedom from national rule beyond its current self-governance. It's like here in the U.S. There's the country and there's the states, but they see themselves even more independent than we do here which I think these days, (laughs) if you look around, I think these days we might be following them. What's amazing is that on October 1 of 2017, our wedding day, Catalonia also chose that day to rebelliously vote for independence. Now, they hadn't brought up the topic or the vote for 10 years, but on that day, which was a Sunday, Catalonia joined us me and my husband, and we were all voting to separate ourselves from our past and seek a new independent sense of self. It's powerful, and so not generally accepted by those who fear independent freedom of individuals that are under their governance. We see a lot of it today, internally in our workplace and throughout the political world stage. Identity is a base foundation to living true to oneself Without the affirmation of identity, as we individually choose to be seen, we tend to question our decisions that are based on our truth, and this may lead to self-doubt. We find ourselves in situations that we may not be comfortable in. But that doesn't mean we don't belong there. Far from it. Again, we need to step back and understand whether we are in our situation because our soul led us here, or our brains. How have you been operating all these years? From within, or from what others expected of you? If you've been operating from within, then you know you've been putting in some hard work to rise into your current position. Everything you've done up until now has been to seek your independence in all its attributes of being true to yourself. You knew you would be one of the few, But that didn't stop you from taking on the battle. And yet, we know that this effort, this dedicated hard work, is not met with support and acknowledgement, right? If anything, various outside entities tend to throw up roadblocks and discouragement, regardless of their relationship to you. It can be really defeating. It's their fear that you will achieve your independence and be free of their power over you, something that makes them feel superior and safe. And unfortunately, no matter how strong we are individually or how long we fought the resistance for our own independence, that repetitive resistance may wear us down. And we begin to doubt ourselves. We doubt our choices and doubt whether we belong. This is what we're talking about today, the doubt that creeps into our determination and begins to unravel our belief, unravel our self-love and our place of belonging. The instance when suddenly, and it is sudden, we look up from our determination and doubt that we belong in the place that we've worked so hard to get to, that moment when imposter syndrome kicks in. It's wicked. Although I've experienced this, I didn't know there was a term for it. I discovered the term imposter syndrome when I was attending USC in 2013 for my master's in communication management. Having been the only woman in my engineering classes, I was well aware of being in that spotlight. I would be met at the door and have the professor say, HOMAC is in the other building. You don't belong here. Yeah, when you're the butt of the joke, it isn't as funny as they all seem, is it? And yeah, home economics was a major in the 80s still. It was still a pretty dark place for women. But more so, this term made me feel frustrated and sad. The fact that this discrimination had created a sense of unworthiness and rooted itself in the minds of such talented and intelligent people, that really bothered me. I thought that this sensation was limited to the toxic environment of the male-dominated fields. But now, I'm seeing it across all the industries because of the rise in women and people of color into leadership. We can explain the reasons of women feeling like imposters in general in the male-dominated fields. That becomes a gender statement. It becomes much more personal and threatens our identity when women, especially Latinas, black, and indigenous women, find ourselves alone in leadership positions where much of the power struggle happens. For women overall, we know that it's around 20 to 25% that are in leadership positions. But still, one out of four or one out of five doesn't feel very comfortable, right? If you went out at lunch just you and five guys, odds are they're not going to be interested in what you have to say. If you're a woman of color, that number rapidly falls to almost zero. It saddens me that so many of you experience this feeling on a regular basis after all these decades of trying to change it. But more so because you work so hard to reach your success by overcoming the intentional barricades placed to disrupt your rise. After 30 years of striving towards proficiency and prowess in your field, proving that yes, you most definitely belong in your place of success, it's wrong that you should be left to feel like an imposter. This is your place of expertise. Still, there's some self-reflection to do here. For as much as you have persevered against the established odds of being one of the few that said, Oh, hell to the no, are you keeping me back? It is a lonely journey. It does get exhausting being the only one or one of the few and not having support from above or from your peer group. We tend to look around and want some type of security, some known that we can rely on to define how we feel about being one of the few. We're fighters grabbing hold of every little stronghold that will get us to the next step. But this is where you have to be careful. In an effort to define your feelings, to settle your spirituality, there is a tendency to make the imposter syndrome your friend. This is really important to acknowledge and process out. Many of our emotions we tend to assign to a structural known that defines us rather than embracing the emotion as part of us that shows up now and then and throws things a little sideways. Imposter syndrome is not your security blanket, and it does not define you or your place. It is merely your brain sending out a questioning signal of, wait, what's up here? I don't see anything familiar. And it's up to you, in your truth, to quell its chatter to soothe its fear, to remind it that you've got this. You must not pass over your strength, your fighting spirit to someone who will never need it when you have these moments of doubt. But still, how is it that imposter syndrome is becoming more prominent when currently more women and people of color are entering the professional fields that once blocked their entry? Why is imposter syndrome increasing at the same time that this population of professionals is increasing? It should be just the opposite. As more equity in numbers are reached, less imposter syndrome should be occurring. What are we missing? Where's the comfort zone? Why are we, and by we I mean all of us marginalized by the current system, why are we considered the outliers when we have earned accolades in our fields of expertise? So I think the issue is twofold. One, there's the people who instigated these systems in an attempt to maintain the power. And two, there's the people who instigated these systems in an attempt to maintain the power. I'm not kidding. You... Hold all the power in these scenarios even when you feel like you're the one that doesn't belong. Not them. You hold more expertise and more capacity to outperform the typical system because you had to fight harder to get to the same point as your peers. They put the burden on you in order to maintain the system they have. Let me get you in on a big secret. That's not really a secret. But why do we struggle to take hold of it? The system that is in place at work, in politics, in relationship, has been built on the premise of hierarchy. Top to bottom, power to dependent. The burden is placed on others to perform in order to keep the system in place. Remember, women weren't even allowed to get a credit card without a male cosigner until after 1975. That wasn't very long ago, and many of you were on the verge of being born. People of color were legally blocked from purchasing houses and neighborhoods as stated in the legal deeds of the property. These written documents still exist. That's insane. But this is the framework that is still supporting the current systems in our workplace and where we live, and of course, It's going to affect how people think, how they view women and people of color. The people that instigated these systems brought other people in that mimicked them and supported these same biases. The current leadership was most likely not elevated to their positions based on potential and expertise. Instead, they were probably next in line a line that didn't include women and people of color. They just had been primed to play the part. They literally have been taught the script and became major players in this fictional culture. The conclusion? You have more knowledge, more power, more strategic ability for leadership positions because you have had to use these talents to get you to this point unlike the players in this fictional culture. I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. Like I said, this isn't really a secret. Why then does imposter syndrome still grab at us and have that self-doubt rising? My idea is because we have some behaviors still in place that are so rooted from the struggle of rising in our success that we don't realize they're actually bad habits. Remember, bad habits are formed to compensate for feeling uneasy or hurt. It's not entirely our fault because the system was built to be intentionally oppressive. But still, we do have the power to redefine how we look at things so we can make good habits. Okay, so what are these bad habits? What bad habits did we create in battling through this biased system? I think there's a couple of main players here. This time, actually two different ones. One, the need to prove to others that we are good enough. That one hurts, right? That's an ongoing one. And two, the hesitancy to ask for help. Think about that for a minute. Think how these two areas play into your everyday life and just how long you have had these feelings. We know where they came from. We've been challenged all our lives. Most likely, the need to prove to others that we're good enough started at a very young age, typically associated with gender or identity, of being told you couldn't do something because you're a girl, or that you didn't belong because you didn't look like the majority of players that the system had put in place. Thankfully, you didn't believe them. Because you fought forward. You fought through it. You were determined to show them that you were most definitely good enough, and more so, better than most because of what you were up against. You were determined to show yourself that you could do it. But just how far did you stretch yourself out to prove the system wrong? How much harder did you work to get to your success than those in the system? And was it good enough then? Probably not. Look at Simone Biles. Her epic, never-been-done-before crazy routine that they wouldn't even score because it had never been done before. Shouldn't that make it off the charts? No, they just move the bar. You're still not good enough. I mean, that point alone shows you that you're not only good enough, but that you're off their scale of measurement. You may have been so determined day in and day out that you forgot to settle into the fact that, yes, indeed, you have nothing more to prove to anyone because you're so much higher than that. So how do we reverse this first feeling of inadequacy that feeds this imposter syndrome? By reversing the system and demanding accountability From above, rather than putting the burden on ourselves in order to keep this system in place, we place the burden on the system. The burden of adequacy can be challenged upwardly, just like the phenom women of the U.S. gymnastic and soccer teams. Those women aren't fighting for recognition. They aren't feeling like they don't belong there. They've come to realize, oh no, we are far superior than our male counterparts. And the world recognizes it. They stand fully confident in their stellar abilities. They place the burden on the system and open the door to support instead of self-doubt. So here's another simple example. I had to work with a man in his 50s that was in this new role that I had been successfully doing for the last five years. Now this role didn't necessarily require special education or advanced study, but it did take experience and an analytical prowess that I held so that we could get to quick decision making rather than relying on third parties to give us information that I already knew. There was a request to renew a lease from us that had been in place for years. Granted, the circumstances had changed and the parameters for the lease were now different, so that it required flexibility to be written into the lease. Something that he and I would have to collaborate over and determine what was beneficial to everyone. In this collaboration, in this going back and forth, nothing that I stated was acceptable. And instead, he held fast to his own position, even though I had been operating on this for five years, and he was now new to the entire idea. I bet you that sounds immensely familiar. He said he wanted to review the lease so that he could edit it to satisfy his hesitation unleasing the land. Well, yeah, okay, that sounds right. Reviewing what someone else does, contributing your own ideas, collaborating together to come up to a mutual agreement over a common document. But here's the big difference. Okay, let's play it out the way most of us would have experienced this in the past. Let's say you have this lease, and the second party has said, you go ahead and do it, and I'll just review it. Rather than stop right then and reframing the situation, Most likely, you go off and spend hours studying other leases to ensure you're covering all the bases, and then you begin to write it out, edit it, then you probably begin to second guess yourself. Is this right? Is this what he's looking for? Is this what he wants? Will I look foolish if I write up something that's wrong? Do you see where I'm going with this? Suddenly, you are in a deadlock with yourself, and the fear of doubt opens the door in your mind that asks, what are you doing here? Are you really qualified to do this? But you get the nerve to present something to him anyway, and you think this is great, and it's going to take another viewpoint to get it complete. Perfect. You're off the hook. But he takes it, and he redlines it, adds his inputs, and asks you to fix it, and then it will be fine. The collaboration is over. Or was there even collaboration to begin with? He acts as though he has the last word, that his way is right, and you had to do the bulk of the work to get it to that point. But you take it, and you edit it, and you both sign it, and you think, "Oof, that's over. But he goes on to talk up the lease as if he came up with it. In this scenario, You have placed yourself as the imposter by relinquishing your knowledge to him and never garnering any credit. Still more importantly, you have dismissed all the time and intelligence it took to create that document or the argument, proposal, pitch, whatever, just so he could add his name on it. It's called riding your coattails, a really old expression, but I think the visual of it still applies. When someone can't get to where you're going without jumping on your back, without holding on as you go forward, that extra burden, you've got to kick that off. Now let's change the scenario from the very beginning. Let's say the same person asks you to pull together another project, perhaps something you're really good at or something you may be completely ignorant of. Rather than stress on where to start, Second, guess what he or she may want and begin opening that doubt door. Take a moment to assess the situation. So let's re-script this version. First, take the time to determine whether or not the person has more knowledge of the topic than you do by engaging them in conversation. Depending on the relationship you have with the person, whether it's personal, professional, to what extent have you worked with them before so that they know who you are, you can pointedly ask questions you're confident with and begin the conversation. This will provide opportunity to either learn from the person or establish your own knowledge and comparison. In this way, you've received guidance without feeling as though you're not proficient in the topic because that is yet another instigator of self-doubt that we're going to talk about in the next episode. Now, if the person has significant knowledge, this is great. Engage them in more conversation about the important points to hit on the project. Frame mutual expectations around the results and reach agreement prior to starting the project. They will feel proud and confident that they are able to share what they know even if they are part of the system. They're not necessarily doing it for you, but regardless, you're gaining knowledge from them. Now, if the person is elusive in detail, it probably indicates that they are less familiar with the topic than you are. At this point, you have the perfect opportunity to acknowledge your prowess and close that self-doubt door and feeling of inadequacy. You understand that you're more proficient in this topic than they are. That alone is the game changer. Use that moment to ascertain your confidence by stating your approach to the project and asking if the manager, or whoever it is, sees it any differently. If they don't know what you're talking about, they'll stay quiet, and you will carry on confidently. If they have an opinion, great, better to know up front. Now, if they don't have time to offer guidance or advice, then state calmly that you're readily prepared to take this on. Thank them for having faith in your abilities. Thank them for giving you the freedom to have ownership of the project. Not only will this make them think twice about their own expectations, it will reaffirm to you that you are fully capable of successfully handling the assignment. In this methodology, you've avoided self-doubt by positioning yourself as either being prepared to learn and frame mutual expectations, or assured that your knowledge is even more sufficient to complete the project successfully, given your prowess. By moving the conversation from a hierarchical, vertical relationship in which you're just accepting being told what to do, you're moving it to a horizontal one one in which you remain on level with the person requesting information or work from you, and you're seen as a peer. You have reframed yourself to be part of the conversation rather than being told what to do. Because being told what to do makes it feel like you don't have the knowledge. When you feel you don't have the knowledge, you begin to doubt yourself. When you doubt yourself, you wonder, what am I doing here? I don't belong. Feeling more confident in your abilities now? Come on, ladies, give me a big yes. Let's reframe this imposter syndrome by asserting confidence to either learn gratefully from others that have more experience and industry knowledge or realize that your prowess exceeds what was anticipated from you from the start. Instead of maintaining a hierarchical relationship within your organization, engage in a horizontal one. Remember, you have the strength, persistence, and determination to rise into that success that you envision for yourself. You're operating from your soul, so don't let your brain bring self-doubt to the table. As you rise in your career, as you strive for a loving relationship, as you create this large life and look around at all your successes, avoid questioning your belonging because you worked so hard to get here. It was hard to put yourself in a place of opportunity. The odds are not in your favor, but your intelligence and fiery personality certainly are. The reason you find yourself in your success Is that you had the courage and persistence to follow your dreams, knowing there aren't many ahead of you laying the path and offering guidance. You're a warrior, and it's a lot to maneuver by yourself through any unknowns. There will be many times when you are one of the few, but it's not because you're an imposter, it's because you're a leader. We'll get to the second part of imposter syndrome response on the next episode when we discuss our hesitancy to ask for help. I hate it, right? Ugh, It's the worst. We all do it. We're all worried about the ridicule, the one eyebrow up. We make it so much harder on ourselves for it. But that is exactly how the system was built to make us feel. So we're going to smash that stuff next week. No more overextending ourselves while others are just snapping their fingers at us. Step into your truth, ladies. Ciao. Really appreciate the time you take to rate and review the podcast. Get the backstory and what you've heard here today and reach out to us at thelinks.com. That's L-N-X-X. Because it's about time, it's about us. Stay in the groove on our social media at LifeLinks and get ready to make your move, ladies. Viva!